I kind of changed directions a little bit later this afternoon. I had some things that I wanted to preach about tonight, and I got to reading just in different places in the Bible and kind of had a change of mind. And although it's not really my style to just take a section of scriptures and just, um, I guess you could say like in an expository way, go down through there looking at the scriptures, but the more I read through this, the more I thought that that might be profitable to do that. And then we'll see where that may lead, even though that's typically not how I feel led to preach, but I did feel so this afternoon. So pray for me that that'll be profitable. And I wanted to look in the book of uh, Philemon, which is a book that you probably don't look at a whole lot, probably don't hear a whole lot of sermons. It's, um, it's, uh, it's really not a chapter. It's just, I mean, it's not a chapter. It's just one letter, one book, one chapter. Uh, and it's, you know, one page of reading there. It's got 25 verses in it. Uh, if you don't know where it's at, go to Hebrews and come back one, and you'll be right there on it. And so I wanted to look through the book of Philemon a little bit tonight, um, because as I read through certain sections of this, you know, if, you know, when you're young and you want to check off the box that, uh, you know, I've read my Bible or how many books of the Bible have I read, you know, you always want to pick up Philemon because it's one page, right? And so, yeah, I read a whole book of the Bible today. And so I have read this book. Um, many times, I guess, throughout my life. And most of the time, it's kind of one of those that um, I would read through and kind of be like, eh, why is this one in here? You know, I'm not, I'm not really getting it. And that was because I lacked understanding, obviously, um, and some maturity. But as I read through it this afternoon, there were so many things that just jumped off the page at me um, that I just had them on my mind and I wanted to kind of go through there and share some of those things with you this afternoon. So um, we won't read the entire chapter here in Philemon, but just a little bit of background. Um, this was a letter that was written by Paul to uh, a pretty well-to-do man uh, named Philemon. And uh, Philemon uh, was a very faithful man of God. Uh, Paul will go through here and we'll read just a minute where uh, when Paul hears about the workings and the labors that Philemon has, it really moves Paul. Uh, and for lack of a better word, he's impressed with it. Uh, but Philemon is a very profitable citizen in the kingdom of God, right? He's not a lazy man when it comes to spiritual things. And he's evangelizing, he's teaching, and maybe even preaching. He's seeing people be converted. And so Paul hears of these things. When Paul writes this letter to Philemon, Paul is in a Roman prison. And the subject, the main subject of the letter that he's writing to, to Philemon is about one of Philemon's slaves that was a, you know, somewhat of a wretched, unfaithful, uh, cantankerous slave. And what we'll find as we read through this letter that uh, the slave's name is Onesimus, which means profitable. But you find in the beginning here, he's a very unprofitable, right? And so uh, Onesimus uh, is a very unfaithful uh, slave or servant, if you will, to his master Philemon. And what you find is that uh, he steals from his master. Uh, we'll read about that in a little bit here. Uh, he probably has a very negative impact on the other servants in the house. Have you ever uh, been in a business where, you know, uh, kind of one bad seed just ruins it all for everybody? You know, if you've got 10 employees and you've got one, uh, there's just a terribly, a terrible attitude, bad employee, super negative. It just kind of destroys the whole day for everybody, right? 
And so Onesimus was kind of that guy. He was just negative and he just kind of brought uh, uh, that, that spirit to the household of Philemon. So uh, after he has um, stolen some things from Philemon, he uh, leaves, he runs away, and uh, somehow or another he ends up close to where Paul's at. And remember, Paul, uh, at some point in his interaction with Philemon, is um, uh, in prison. And so with, when Onesimus uh, comes and meets Paul, now we all know here, my subject here tonight is not um, what man's role is in getting someone else born again, because we know that's the Bible from front to back is very, very clear that the new birth comes about by the sole work of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, but now our role, as far as evangelism goes, uh, our role is to, to those that have been born again is to preach, is to teach, is to encourage, is to sharpen them, and to, uh, to help them grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Um, and in, in all of our experiences, there have probably been people that have been um, very influential in our lives that have done that for us, right? Um, obviously, Brother Tim, uh, and, and not just Brother Tim, but Brother Tim was very influential and uh, had a huge impact on me in helping me grow in grace and knowledge and understanding of the Scriptures, right? And, and to give me a better understanding of, of, of those things. And because of that, uh, he and I have a very um, uh, kindred spirits. We're very close in that sense. And even though he's not that much older than me, uh, a lot of people in the ministry, I would refer to him as my father in the ministry, meaning that he is the one that groomed me and helped me to grow. And, uh, you know, Brother John Morgan could probably say that in, also in part about Brother Tim, but Brother Chris, Brother Buddy, um, you know, none of us really as Primitive Baptist elders have just come up and figured it all out, right? Uh, there's always an older, wiser, more experienced person that has helped us. And, and you, in turn, you may be that for somebody else. That doesn't just apply to preachers, right? And so what I'm saying is that although we don't have anything to do with the new birth happening in somebody, we, we absolutely can play some sort of role in them being what we call converted, Right? Converted in the sense that they come to that greater knowledge and understanding of different th things. If you remember, I preached a couple Sundays ago about baptism. And if you remember that Apollos was going around preaching and baptizing the baptism of John. And then you've got this man and woman over here, Priscilla and Aquila, who are very important in the eyes of Paul. But to the world are probably not that big a deal. And so, but they come over to Apollos and they teach him more thoroughly about the Lord Jesus Christ. And in a sense, they played some part in his conversion, meaning his mind was turned and changed and converted towards something else. Brother Tim played a, a huge role in my conversion. My point is this, where you have those experiences where somebody helps you come to that greater understanding, there's usually a, a very strong bond there or at least it was for me, and you'll also find it is for Paul. So Paul had that relationship with Onesimus. Now, he did not 
bring him the new lot, new, the new birth or a new spirit. But somewhere in, in Onesimus' life, it doesn't sound like he was too much born again when he was uh, a slave at Philemon's house. But at some point, the Lord touched him, gave him a new heart, gave him a new spirit, made him a new creature. And those new creatures are the things that we as evangelists are looking for, right? We want to fill them up and teach them. And so he encounters Paul and Paul begins to teach him. Now, Onesimus, once he's had an encounter and spent some time with Paul, he's not the same Onesimus that left Philemon's house. He, he really is a new creature. The Bible talks about faith without works is dead. Faith is never dead. But the evidence of it is dead, right? Well, Onesimus becomes a man whose faith, uh, he didn't have, uh, he, he had faith, but he also had the works to go with it, right? He was showing the fruit of the Spirit in his life. So I want to read through here just a little bit and maybe just take a few verses at a time. And I want to look at some of the things about this encounter um, with, with uh, Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus. So where we are here is once Paul has had this relationship, this very deep bond with Onesimus. He sends Onesimus back to Philemon with a letter, this letter that we're going to read. And the letter is addressed to Philemon, but probably 70% of the letter has to do with Onesimus and Philemon and the way things went down before he ran into Paul. And so that's what this letter primarily is about. And I'll start maybe in verse 4. And I may read something back up here and there. In verse 4, Paul says, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all his saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love. Because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Now, when they say bowels, what they mean, uh, that is the, the heart and the seat of emotions. You know, you think over in Jeremiah, Jeremiah cries out. He says, my bowels, my bowels, my heart is in so much pain. Right? When he looks at the condition of, his, of the people there. And so Paul is telling, he's writing to Philemon here, and he said, when I hear about you, and I hear about the, the consolation of love and the joy, and how through your efforts, the saints of God are refreshed, that makes Paul excited, right? And it should make anybody excited when they see somebody else's efforts bringing some refreshingness to another child of God, because it's easy for us to lose that uh, feeling of being refreshed, Right? I mean, this world, it's, we, have, we have designed it as a society and tailor-made it for us to all get stuck in ruts, right? We get in this mundane over and over and over and over of just our secular life. Well, that's going to bleed over into your spiritual life if you're not careful. And you'll find church, your church attendance being a whole lot, looking at your church attendance, looking at a whole lot like you would going to your job every day. Just a rut, mundane, over and over and over. You know, I think sometimes we all are, are, are guilty of that, is making our spiritual life, our church life, being somewhat mundane. And I think that's why sometimes it's good that we have these meetings where different preachers come in, because sometimes they come in and they just have a way of refreshing you, right? Um, I can absolutely testify Brother John Morgan's ordination. 
the charge that was given by Brother David Crawford, it refreshed me. You know, it was just wonderful, you know, to hear the things that he had to say. And I just felt refreshed. It just kind of put a little more skip in my step, spiritually speaking. And that's what Philemon does for people. Is he just has a way of putting a skip back in the saint's steps. And so Paul continues here and he says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient or fitting... Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. What Paul's saying here is, you know, Paul has, an, if I can say this word right, I guess you could say apostolic, apostolic authority. He's an, he, he, by his own admission, is an apostle. And Paul preaches and teaches with authority. Right. This authority has been given to him by God. Right. And so many times Paul commands and instructs with a very bold, very firm. I have got this. I've gotten this message from the Lord. And here's the message. And he's very straight with those things. Paul has the authority here to tell Philemon what he's supposed to do, how he's supposed to act. And Paul doesn't do that. Even though he's got the authority, he says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient or fitting, he says, I've really got the authority to come to you with great boldness and instruct you on this broken relationship that's probably left you a lot of anger and turmoil and maybe some sleepless nights. Because think about it. If you're Philemon, you have this, this servant or this slave that's stolen from you, and then he skipped town. All right, well, that's, that would make me angry, right? It would make me, it's, it's a whole lot like uh, maybe at my office, if somebody embezzled a bunch of money from my office, an employee embezzled a bunch of money, and then they skipped town and I had no idea where they were. Well, I'm going to lose a few nights sleep over that. And Paul is saying, look, I've, I've got the authority to tell you exactly how you're supposed to behave right here, Philemon. But notice what he's saying. This is a, a whole nother sermon. It would be a great sermon someday. Just on the phrase, yet for love's sake. For the sake of love, I'm not going to boldly tell you what you're supposed to do here. For the sake of love, I rather beseech thee. That means instead of boldly telling you, Philemon, here's what you've got to do. You've got to forgive. You've got to let bygones be bygones. You've got to move on. You've got to let him stay out of your service and stay in the ministry of the Lord and the service of the Lord. He says, I'm not going to command you on that. He says, I'm going to beseech you, which means to pull to your side and use some gentleness. We can learn a good lesson from that, right? Just because we've got the authority to tell somebody what they need to do or, what, or if they're in the wrong, sometimes for the sake of love, we just go about it a little bit differently, right? He says, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I don't think it's coincidence, and I think every word in the Bible is there on purpose. I, don't, I think it's important that we looked at Paul mentioned that he was getting somewhat up in years, right? And that tells me this, that those guys that are on up in years are usually guys you ought to listen to, right? Experience is valuable. Remember the sermon from Sunday? 
we talked about life as a hallway and you're going down through life and there's all these doors that you can run into and each door leads you to experiences, some that will ruin you and some that will lead you to great joys in the kingdom. The ones that will ruin you, hopefully there's a wise aged person standing at that door telling you don't go in, I've been there, done that, it'll ruin you. Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Now, put yourself in Philemon's place here. All right, there's no Facebook, right? There's no internet, there's no texting, there's no cell phones. For all Philemon knows, Onesimus is dead in a ditch somewhere. But all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door and there he stands. Back at the master he stole from and who he abandoned, and he's got a letter in his hand. So if you're Philemon, you're looking at Onesimus like, what are you doing here? You know, you thief. You runaway thief. And he hands him that letter. And so he opens it and says, what is Onesimus bringing me a letter from Paul? Do you know Paul? This is then, and it would be strange to me, right? And as he begins to read down through this letter, he gets to the part where Paul says, I could really just tell you in a very matter of fact way what's going on here and what you ought to do. But I, for love's sake, I'm going to be gentle to you about this. And I'm going to do this in a loving way. And he says, I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus. All right, can you imagine Philemon right there like, what? Your son? Who you have begotten in your bonds. Now, begotten means to be born. To be born anew. Now, listen, you're only born again one time. But you can be born anew a bunch of times. Right? You remember Peter? What does Peter say um, after, after Peter has uh, denied Christ three times? After Peter had the stare down with the Lord after the third time he denied after Peter realized that the Lord knew that he had denied, but he, he, he already told him he were going to do it. But after the Lord heard him deny, he looks at Peter and then Peter runs out and weeps bitterly. And the next thing Peter knows, they're nailing him to a cross, right? You know, you don't ever want to end any relationship on an argument, right? Uh, I, had, <clears throat> I had a friend of mine, and I've said this before, I thought it was kind of silly, but it kind of made sense. That anytime he was talking to his wife, he would, he would always say, bye, I love you. And I was like, why do you say it that way? I said, that, isn't that backwards? Wouldn't you say I love you goodbye? And he's like, well, he said, I want the last thing my wife to, to have heard from me if I die is I love you. He's like, well, you know, that's whatever. But we don't want to end on an argument, right? We don't want to have a fight with somebody and then that person go out and die and then it just, we just, we're just left with that. Well, that's kind of what happened to Peter, right? The betrayal of all betrayals and the next thing you know, the Lord is dead and Peter can't get to him to apologize, can't get to him to make amends, right? But the Lord comes out of the grave three days later, right? And Pete, what does Peter say? Peter says, he has begotten, that's to remember, to remember, remember that means to be born anew. He has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ brought something anew to Peter, 
right? We need things brought anew to us all the time. We're only ever going to be born of the Spirit one time, but we can be transformed, we can be conformed, we can be brought and uh, uh, born anew and refreshed, right? And what Paul is telling Philemon he says, I have not brought the new birth to Onesimus. Only God can do that. But I have begotten him in the sense that I preached to him and I taught him and I've brought a newness to life for him. All right. If this man Onesimus was born again somewhere along the path, he probably is feeling a great conviction of sin, right? Man, I've stolen from my master. I've abandoned him. I've done things wrong. He runs into Paul. Paul begins to teach and to preach to him. And he, he brings a newness to Onesimus' life in so much that, that you remember the, the kinship I was talking about with those that we have a, a somewhat of a part in converting? Do you remember that? Well, Paul and Onesimus have it, right? They've got it now. Because somewhere in this prison, somehow or another, their paths crossed. Maybe Onesimus was in there for something, or maybe he was just a guy that brought the food in. Who knows? But they were able to sit down and have conversations. And Paul, through his teaching, saw Onesimus transform and blossom in the kingdom of God. And Paul is, is so in love with that relationship because it meant something to him that he was able to help his brother get to that point. And that's what every preacher wants, right? That's what everybody that's ever had an ounce of evangelism, an evangelistic spirit, that's what, that's what they want. We want to see people hear the truths of God and embrace them and it changed them. When Brother Tim stands up here, I stand up here, Brother Neil, Brother John Morgan, when we preach, we want it to affect you. We want it to change you in a better way. And when that happens, boy, there's just, there's just a special bond when that happens. Okay? And Paul felt that with Onesimus. So much so that when he writes him, he says, I beseech thee for my son, not my friend, not my fellow laborer, my son. In what sense is he his son? He's his son in the sense that he brought newness of life to him through the gospel. He didn't, bring, he didn't make him a child of God. He didn't get him born again by the Spirit, but he brought something special to him. And he says, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. This slave that you have, Philemon, clearly, even though his name <laughs> means profitable, he has been very unprofitable to you. He's disrupted your household and given you many sleepless nights. But guess what? Now, not only is he profitable to me, he's also profitable to you too. And it says, whom I have sent again, meaning I've sent him back to you with a letter, whom I have sent again, that thou therefore receive him, that is my own bowels. There's that word bowels again. My own heart. All right. Can you see the kinship between Paul and Onesimus? All right. Look at the kinship between Philemon and Onesimus uh, before he receives this letter. There's no kinship there. There's anger. There's probably a lot of bitterness from Philemon towards Onesimus. But on Paul's end, there's a great kinship. Why? Because the Lord has been there and done a work. Amen. Right? 
That's what's, that's what's so uh, wonderful about this is the Lord has taken broken relationships and he's done his work and he's made powerful relationships. So much so that he's calling him his own family and he sends him back to him. And he says, when, you, when you're Philemon, when you're standing there at your door and you're opening this letter and you're reading this letter and you're looking up, you know, probably looking at Onesimus and looking back down at the letter and looking up, mind spinning. Paul tells him, when, you, when this man is standing in front of you, Receive him as if it were me standing there. And he says, whom, I'm, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. And I, I like this. I really like this next part. Paul is, uh, Onesimus' influence on Paul's ministry is so great that Paul says, I really need him here. I really could use him here where I'm at, right? As a side note over here, I can say this especially since Brother Tim is not here. Do you know how many times Paul writes in his letters where he lists all the people that helped him in his ministry? It's a lot of them. We talked a little bit about that Sunday, but it's a bunch of people. Don't ever get the idea that it's just Brother Tim and Brother Tim doesn't need you all ministering to him. Not in the sense that he, in the way that he necessarily ministers to you through preaching, but Paul had a great company of people that all contributed to the ministry of Paul. All of us can contribute to the ministry that Brother Tim has or that I have, and maybe in no other way than just giving an encouraging word, right? We should never sit back as a congregation and just say, well, there's Brother Tim, he's the one that does all the ministering. Because if that were the case, Paul had it bad wrong because Paul constantly at the end of his letters is saying, let me list all these people that have helped me in my ministry. I hope that we could all have the mindset to help in other people's ministries, right? And Paul says, whom I would have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. Paul, if there's ever been an example of a peacemaker, uh, Paul, this is a great example of a peacemaker. Why is he a great example of a peacemaker? Because he could have commanded Philemon, but for love's sake, he, he said, I beseech thee, right? He could have said, he's more profitable to me here so I'm not going to send him back, but it was important to Paul to send him back to Philemon just to keep the devil from getting any seed of discord or contention. Because what does the Bible say? The Lord hates when somebody sows discord among the brethren. Have you ever gone to another brother and sister and talked about another brother and sister? The Bible is very clear on how the Lord feels about that. It says he hates it. He hates it when one of his children so discord towards another one of his children. So Paul says, listen, in the name of peace and to give to keep the devil from getting Philemon mad at me by saying, I can't believe that you you this is a runaway slave. He broke my heart. He took my money and you're just taking him in under your wing like he's your best friend. See, Paul's interested in keeping peace. He says, I, I, I would have retained him because he was very important to me and very helpful to me. And he ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. He says, but without thy mind, Philemon, without thy mind, without your approval, without you validating this and putting your blessing on it, he says, I would do nothing. That thy benefit should not be as if it were necess of necessity, but willingly. 
For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Now, it says, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved. So Paul, look, Paul's asking a lot, okay? Philemon is a great example of having a forgiving heart. There's so many sermons in this, but Philemon is a beautiful example of a forgiving heart because Paul says, Onesimus, go back to the door, knock on the door, hand in the letter. I'm going to call you a brother. I'm going to call you a son. And I'm going to ask Philemon, who you have wronged greatly, to look at you no more as a servant, but to look at you as a brother, a brother beloved. Especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Now notice this right here. It almost, it, it almost sounds like a little jab. It almost sounds like a little, you know, just a little ant dig if you, if you don't really look at it. It says, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides, right? Look, whatever he owes you, lay it to my charge. <laughs> it's funny that he says, I'm not going to say it. You know, I'm not going to say this, but then he says it. Don't make Onesimus pay you back, Philemon. I'll pay it for him. And I'm not going to say that really you owe me way more than Onesimus owes you, and I'm not charging you anything. This is the point he's making. The value that we place on our ministry, on our evangelism, on our labors to help others grow in the grace and the truth and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is way more valuable than some money. And Paul is saying... What I did for you, Philemon, in a spiritual sense is worth so much more than whatever money Onesimus took from you. Don't ever look at your evangelism and don't ever look at your efforts in teaching as a small thing because Paul says they're very valuable. And if somebody has ever helped you come along and see the different truths of, about, of the Bible... You ought to be very grateful to them. Amen. Very grateful to them. Paul says, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. And that's where I'm going to stop and follow him. There's a few more verses there. And, and again, the few more verses, uh, he lists many people in those two or three verses that helped him in his ministry, right? So the book of Philemon, there's a whole lot covered in a little bit of time. The, just the phrase for love's sake ought to resonate in your mind and, and affect the way you think and do things, right? The way that Paul was a peacemaker and the way he handled a potentially sticky situation between Philemon and Onesimus because you know everybody that's in a little bit of a quarrel you know what they like to get everybody else to do is take sides 
right? Well, you need to be on my side. You know what so-and-so said to me? And then so-and-so said here, well, you better be on my, and it's just, it's division. And Paul is saying, for the sake of preventing division, yeah, I've got the authority to command you to stay. I need you here more than Philemon needs you. But in order to keep peace and prevent division and take sides, we're going to go about it this way. He was a great peacemaker. The value of the kinship between a person and the, uh, between two people where one is evangelizing and teaching and preaching and, and, and helping them grow in the gospel. There, there's so many things that we could talk about in Philemon. The, the one thing that I want to finish with and settle on is it is a beautiful, beautiful picture of what the Lord has done for His people. Right? Because see, we are Onesimus. Before we were born again, we were unprofitable. The Bible tells us that. We, we have altogether become unprofitable. Onesimus was unprofitable. Right? Onesimus had robbed his master. You remember over in Malachi, it talks about, it says, have you robbed the Lord? And it says, in what way have we robbed the Lord? And he says, in tithes and offerings. Do you know how many things really belong to the Lord that we keep for ourselves? Our time is a big one. How much time do we really owe the Lord, but we keep it to ourselves? What about money? You know, we don't preach about money a whole lot, but you know, this, you know it literally does not grow on trees. The church is, is run because the congregants give money, right? Tithes and offerings. But how much of that do we keep for ourselves? We've robbed God in many different ways. Do we not run from God like Onesimus ran from Philemon? It started in the Garden of Eden. Once Adam sinned, where was he? He wasn't skipping through Eden looking for the Lord. He was hiding, right? He ran from God and hid. What about Jonah? Uh, when, when the Lord told him to go over here and preach, and Jonah said, I don't think so, and he ran. That's, we're runners, right? We run from the Lord. We hide our sins. We rob God of so many things. We're unprofitable. But there comes a time in our life when just like Paul on an earthly sense had begotten him again and made him his son, the Lord has begotten us in a spiritual sense, gave us a new heart and gave us a new spirit and made us a new creature. Something totally different. Something that is genuinely profitable. Onesimus didn't live up to his name to start with, but by the end of the matter, he, he was living up to his name, right? When we've been born again by the Spirit of God, it should be our goal to be profitable citizens in the kingdom of God. There's a temptation there as a parent. There's a temptation there to want to push kids, your kids, just to be, uh, you know, the, the star athlete, the star student, to just, you know, uh, you know uh, we joke a lot in our house about, you know, going to the major leagues, playing major league baseball, and all these goals that are set for their children. And, and I'm, we do not do that, right? But now I know a lot of people that their whole level of joy rises and falls on whether their child is the best, right? We ought to make our joy rise and fall on whether our children are profitable citizens in the kingdom of God. Amen. If our children can exercise faith in the moments of fear, 
If our children know how to forgive, if our children uh, know how to be merciful and long suffering, that's when you're profitable. If our kids words and actions can bring glory to God, right? That men may see our works and glorify God. That's being a profitable citizen in the kingdom of God. I don't care how far you can hit a baseball. If you don't know how to forgive your brother, you've got it backwards, right? To be profitable. We as God's people after we're born again, need to be profitable citizens in the kingdom of God and go back to our master, just like Onesimus did. And when he gets there, this is, the, this is the, probably the, my favorite part of this whole thing. Do you notice when, when Onesimus gets there and Philemon is reading this letter? Do you remember the part where Paul is saying, he says, if he hath wrong, if he hath wrong, if thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. Do you know what that's called? That's called being an intercessor. That's called standing in somebody else's place willing to pay their debt. Right? Do you remember, is it in Isaiah where it says the Lord looked for an intercessor and there was no man there was nobody to stand in the gap. And it says, so he brought salvation unto himself. Right? He says, I can't leave it up to them to save themselves. There's no intercessor there. I'm going to make it happen. You see, Jesus Christ is the intercessor that stands between our master and us as a rebellious servant. And he says, the Bible says, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He stands there as Paul stood between Philemon and Onesimus and says, whatever he has done, charge it to my account. And that's what the Lord has done for us. On a, in an eternal basis, certainly, but on a daily basis, on a daily basis, the mercies of the Lord hinge upon Jesus Christ, our, our intercessor, saying, I know, I know, I know Lord, I know. But whatever charge they've got, don't forget I paid for those things. Is Paul not a beautiful picture of an intercessor right here between the two? Are we not a, a carbon copy picture of a rebellious servant who, who robs from God and runs from God and does all of these things? But when the light of truth is shining into our lives, that we go running back to him and there's Jesus Christ saying, I, because of me, you can come back to him. What if Paul had left all of that out? What if Paul would have just said, I found Onesimus, dear Philemon, I found Onesimus, he's coming back to you, goodbye. And he walked over there and Philemon opened that letter. He'd be like, get in here and you owe me and this and that. He didn't do that because there was an intercessor. And boy, that intercessor just diffused Philemon. And I'm thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ is our intercessor because I don't want to have to stand there with a letter handed to the master without somebody saying, put it on my account because Luke can't pay for it. Go back through and read Philemon. Short read, but it's packed with just some incredible messages.